The Trump-Putin summit is declared treason before it even happens. And we deconstruct an insane Michael Moore interview that illustrates the ongoing attempt to radicalize Americans. You're listening to Propaganda Report. I'm here with Monica Prez. Monica, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm trying to just get get over this whirlwind and of and reaction to Trump's Putin summit. Well, I'm very happy to be back in the USA after having How gone to Russia for the World Cup. So I'm extra interested in this subject. Do Russians like Putin? Did you gather any any info on that while you're I've I've been to Russia twice. Uh, and both times, the only real in-depth conversations I had was with a tour guide. And uh, the first time, it was a gal who was exactly my age. She loved Bill Clinton, hated Putin. He, She thought Putin was just a strong-arm fascist jerk, whatever. She said the people love him because he's so strong. And then... But she didn't. And then this time, the tour guide, now it was 10 years later, and she was probably 10 years older than I, so she's really a different generation from that other girl. 35. Something like that. And uh, she said that she, her, she's like my babushka or whatever, like the grandmas love him. They said, and what she said that again, the what? Babushkas. What Aren't the that? babushkas like the grandmas who wear scarves on their heads? Isn't that a babushka? Oh, I don't know. I've never heard that term before. Oh, I think so. I think it's where you say booby. Oh, okay. From that. But um, what she described was exactly my mom. Like my mom sits on the couch, watches Fox News, and loves Trump. <laughs> and the babushkas sit on the couch, watch Pravda or whatever, and love Putin. And they think he's strong and he's a real patriot and all that. But what she said was the oligarchs around him. She didn't actually say oligarchs, and I don't know if they are. But she said he is surrounded by KGB guys, like longtime KGB guys. And he basically does what they're all in it together. They decide what to do for their own pockets and for the oligarchs. And their society is getting very top heavy the way ours is. And, uh, People, they're working like dogs and they're getting pushed out of the cities into smaller and smaller apartments on the outskirts. Now, I can't imagine that it was better in the Soviet time, but I also had a tour guide this time around in Prague. And she said she was she was around the same age as the other chick. And she was saying uh, that they're. You know, they were both kind of saying there's pros and cons to both systems. And, uh, you know, I'm a hardcore (laughs) libertarian. I can't even countenance that. But I have to realize that basically the example that replaced communism is fascism on many levels. I'm not talking about identity politics, not cultural Marxism, but fascism, like corporate governmental cooperation and collusion so uh i don't know food for thought i think you know when you're in a system and that's all you know then that's what you're going to favor and if you spend your whole life in a system 
and then it changes. I mean, we're humans naturally. We are resistant to change. So I think somebody who lived a, you know, a good portion of their life, especially their younger years in that old system that was, you know, had to transfer to this other one, everything that they learned to survive that's ingrained in them yes. during their formidable, formidable years is not as effective in this new system. So it's going to make it more challenging. So I could see where some people could feel that way. That's interesting because I've noticed that in my experience, I used to be a banker, went to Ivy league schools. And when I kind of had my epiphany, the epiphany we, and probably everybody who's listening right now has had where you're just like, Oh my gosh, this thing is a facade. You know, this is a, is a scam. And I go back and I talk to those people. They want nothing to do with it. They get very defensive. But one person, which I respected because it was more honest, said, this system works for me and I don't want it to change. And then on top of that, I would add, not only that, but you work hard and you've always worked hard in reliance on this uh, incentive structure. Yeah. You've like basically working yourself into the ground. I used to work literally, I, I, I would work, I occasionally worked over a hundred hours in a week, which is like, I would be physically incapable of that. I was right healthy. Now. That's been a healthy. Um... Yeah, there was no, oh my gosh. And the, oh my, that's when they started with the free Starbucks. I think it was to replace the Coke years from the eighties, which set the cultural pace of the investment banks by the time i got there it was just coffee and boy i i really think that's worse for you at that at that volume but anyway so uh i understand the reliance on it and uh and it and it also i think it just it's it makes you sick to see people get just disgustingly rich you know like billionaires and stuff and they're they're a-holes. Any, anyway, a lot of these guys really flaunted. I remember, was it um, the Brazilian guy? I want to call him Ike, but he's not Ike, but it was something like that. Ike Batista, I think his name was. You would see him being interviewed, and he was so arrogant. Oh, I am great. I am great. And then he went down, crashed. Went Who is he? Banker. Ike Batista, I think his name is E-I-K-E-B-A-T-I-S-T-E, maybe, a Brazilian guy who was basically in bed with the um with the president at the time who they really liked and uh he had like a kid's name i forget it but they they were very arrogant and then in the end they were brought up on charges and had bankruptcies and it really just crashed and i think it's galling when you see People who have no scruples, all they do is bribe each other, and then <clears throat> they're arrogant. They look down their nose at you, and it's not for any, you know, a system that promotes that is a, it makes you feel bad about your, your culture. Even if you live better, it's unsatisfying because it lacks virtue, I think. I mean, I'm not trying to wax philosophical i just i'm just trying to figure it out why it's just they were clearly better off 10 years later like when i went this time than when i went 10 years ago it was, the difference was night and day i mean it was absolutely prosperous it was like a vibrant european city unlike some of the european cities i've been to recently that feel depressed this is all growth it actually made me feel like that's why they're in the crosshairs because their growth is just tremendous 
and that's, you know, they're a powerhouse, or I'm not saying they're a powerhouse, but maybe they could be a threat if they continued at this pace. But even so, yeah. some people aren't going to like that because they were indoctrinated with a virtue system that finds that repellent. Exactly. I don't have any clips from the summit. If you haven't seen the summit, or if you haven't, not the summit, but the press conference between Putin and Trump or the media's reaction to it, then just type in screaming toddler or tantruming toddler or something, and you will get the <laughs> media's response to the Let- summit. You made a point before the show, which um, we talked about this in one of our first shows, uh, that it seems as though a lot of people, even people that I know, even without comprehending that they're basically advocating either war with Russia or nothing else. That seems to be what the media wants. Well, when you see Anderson Cooper, I think he said something like, Trump's behavior at this summit was disgusting. And I'm like, I'll tell you, I I get embarrassed by his, I think he does things that are beneath him sometimes in the way he talks to people, which I think he's doing it to play a role. And I was worried. I was like, this Putin, he's no hero of mine. I, I do believe he's still a KGB guy. I don't even think he's like a you know, Orthodox, Christian, patriotic, Russian, whatever, like the Babushkas think. I don't think any of that. But he is a, you know, a rational man with some, uh, you know, normal (laughs) dignity and interaction. He's got a position. I don't revere politicians, but I have to, I can't watch Jerry Springer because I, can't deal with people not having dignity. I Were you worried it would get cringeworthy? Like, yes. Yeah, no, I, I know what yes. you mean. And he didn't. And Trump it didn't. didn't. Yeah, you're he right. Didn't. He didn't. I had he, the same thought. He respected. It was good. I was so freaking relieved. And the left is the one who says he's an embarrassment on the world stage. It's like, you know what? You are asking him to embarrass himself for your own political purposes. Exactly. Um what I was talking about in the intro, before the summit happened, the top trend on Twitter was treason summit. The, the media before. poisoned the well with this. This was treason before it happened. I don't think that – I don't know if we're headed to war, but this is just the kind of stuff you would hear before – it's a demonization campaign. This is what we've talked about on and off for the past year and a half or so. And the questions that they were asking during that summit were the equivalent of standing in front of two people and trying to provoke a fight between them. It, it wasn't like legitimate questions. It was, I mean, Are you it was about basically the press conference. Yeah, the press conference that they had it was basically, uh, Mr. President, how can you stand next to this evil monster and not cold cock him in the throat? Oh, I mean, it was you, just terrible. Did you hear the Chris Wallace interview? No. First of all, I have something very important to say. If you want to see the full transcript of the Chris Wallace interview or the press conference, I asked you to upload it because I thought it would disappear. You know where it is and where it will never disappear. Where? En dot. K-R-E-M-L-I-N dot R-U. That is the, it's called the website of the president of Russia. It's the, it's the English Kremlin website. It's the official website. Right, say like that one more time a little bit it's slower. E-N, like as an English, right. dot, dot Kremlin, K-R-E-M-L-I-N 
dot are you for Russia. So if you go there, you can see their news and they show you the full uncut uh, interview of Chris Wallace with the transcript. I think the Megyn Kelly one is there too. They show the press conference because <clears throat> Putin is rational. So when Chris Wallace starts pulling his BS, Putin literally started laughing in his face. And it was genuine. Like I started laughing because because Chris Wallace says, what do you say about, he starts reading like the, the rank, rank and file, you know, dog tag numbers or whatever of the, that's not what he was doing, but it, it was the equivalent of him reading the dog tag numbers of the guys who were indicted. Yeah. And, and any rational person, any like normal adult would be like, you're just reading a bunch of bull that this guy wrote down on a piece of paper. It's that ridiculously hackneyed, you could indict a ham sandwich. It's an indictment. Exactly. An accusation is not a conviction. Right. And the Fox headline <laughs> of the interview was intense standoff or something like that. Sit down. Uh, yeah, Putin question. denies allegations despite evidence uh, so yeah. i watched it and <laughs> right. there was no evidence it was just the indictment i saw that headline i saw a headline that said chris wallace confronts putin like he's a big tough guy putin <laughs> laughed in his face it's such a joke it's just like all of it is just it, it's all this provocative stuff that is basically delivering the message world war three with russia or nothing else well and what wallace did, said two things to him one that made me physically ill and the other that was just outrageous what i was afraid trump would do the first one that made me physically ill was when chris wallace asked putin if he had no qualms about killing innocent syrian children i believe what did he really yes and and that's just sick and disgusting because we have killed so many people and putin put him right down it's like, you don't understand what happened in Raqqa. You did that. And that's the worst atrocity committed in Syria. And Chris and Wallace said, that is does not compare to the other stuff. He said, oh, really? It's leveled. It's like a nuclear bomb hit it. Every single person. He's like, starts naming how many people there were and how many kids. He wouldn't let it die. It was excellent. But I was just sick that Wallace was taking the high ground about Syria. It makes me sick right now because we are murdering people of my tax dollars. They, and uh, yeah, and the other thing he said to him, this was this was this was actually hilarious. So I wasn't worried about it, but it was what you know the kind of thing that I would have died if Trump said it was. How come <laughs> it's impossible to say with straight face? How come your political enemies end up dead? <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. And, and and if you everybody if somebody brings up the Clinton uh, kill you know lists you yeah. know a conspiracy theorist his friend conspiracy theorist nothing yes. but conspiracy theories dominating the news the past week nothing but oh 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 two two other things one was they said um, I kept thinking why this thing is getting old with Putin hacking the election because. They're not doing anything with Russia. They're not doing any deals with Russia. Trump just did what the deep state wants, which is called Germany out for making a gas deal with Russia. That's yeah. the only reason Russia would have paid Trump off was to avoid that scenario, which Hillary had already laid the groundwork for. And he blew that up immediately in the NATO thing. So 
So then I saw a Washington Post headline that, I mean, it was just the it was just the icing on the cake. It said Trump's performance in Helsinki is Putin's payback for giving him the election. This is a Washington Post. Yeah, I saw a lot of those posts. And the and the other thing I've got to tell you, which is, I mean, just because it was too crazy for me. The morning I have it right here. The morning of Monday, July 16th, I read the newspaper first thing in the morning. That was this Monday. And it said, it says, like every single time, it says president sets low bar for Putin meeting because it hadn't happened yet. And every single time anyone says Russia in the first paragraph above the fold, second paragraph, it says Monday's meeting will mark a symbolic end to the U.S. effort to isolate Russia after its 2014 annexation of Crimea. So I circled the word annexation and wrote define. Because yeah. it's not an annexation. There was a referendum and it had almost 100% turnout and almost 100% voted for Russia. Of course, because Ukraine's in a civil war and Russia's on the rise. Yeah. It just stands to reason. And they're all Russian because it's an army base, basically, or a navy base. Yeah. And, you know, and it always was Russian historically. So when Chris Wallace said, ever since you annexed Crimea and Putin's like, excuse me, you know, point of order, uh, annexation means blah, blah, blah. And... Everybody voting to join Russia is not annexation. If it is, then democracy itself has no meaning. And I was like, fuck, that guy. That guy said that better than I would. You know, like I was yeah. like, I didn't even take it to the next level of where, you know, to democracy means nothing. Although I did write a blog post about that very thing, the annexation of Crimea versus democracy. Oh, we should link these things. Let me link this stuff. Link them. Did you see the guy? I think. I think a Russian journalist and an American journalist asked – I think they might have even asked him back-to-back. I can't remember, but they both asked the same question, which was, President Putin, do you have compromising material on President Trump? Uh, you know, th- That was a serious yeah. question. That Wallace said that too. Do I? Oh, really? Yeah. Like he's just – I mean this was clearly a coordinated effort with everybody from all sides on board. Outside of Rand Paul, who is now, you know, second to Trump as the worst person in the world, according to the media, mm-hmm. who the oh, the only person with a reasonable reaction to the whole thing mm-hmm. is considered an insane Nazi. Mm-hmm. Like, what, Nazi, I know. What concerns me about it is like I, I know the media coordination, all that is a, is a bunch of BS. But when people that I know are sending text messages to me or my other friends uh, uh, with pictures of Rand Paul calling him a Nazi and, and saying that this is treason. When, when I see them repeating these World War Three type memes, I mean, directly from the media, that's when you start to get concerned that it's having an effect. These attempts by the media is an attempt to manifest reality. I so, have to say, yeah, as far as that labeling the people who... Uh, are just not insane about this issue, which are, is now considered pro-Russia, as the Nazis is nuts because it's actually completely backwards because the Ukrainian schism was the U.S. orchestrated a coup that ousted the democratically elected president of Ukraine and who they used to get it done were actual flag-carrying neo-Nazis. <laughs> so the Nazis are against Putin in the one thing that has justified worldwide uh, censure against 
Putin. Uh, right. So the Nazis are the ones he's fighting. I mean, literally, that's I'm not the only Nazis in the world, I believe, that actually have a successful political party in Ukraine right now because of us. Well, don't tell anybody that because you'll be labeled one of them. I'm a Nazi, right? (laughs) But can I just rattle off a few of the things I really would have asked Putin about and wanted to know? Please do. Well, they're saying they're saying. Oh, this stuff like, oh, what he said, uh, 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 Russia, the, the Mueller indictments uh, don't make sense or whatever. Like, how could you question the intelligence service of the U.S.? Like, that is what they're talking about all week when yeah. Trump and Putin sat down for two hours. Chris Wallace had a chance to talk to Putin. I mean, I'm not saying the guy is a hero, but if there's like one person in the whole world whose brain you might actually want to pick, it would be Putin, right? Yeah. Who could give you more, you know, is there, how deep is the collusion among the Atlanticist powers? What is Germany's position? Is, uh, why does Merkel play both sides against the middle? What does the future of world government look like? How do you view a possible alliance with China? Like, those are just things If he would give me one answer to one of those questions, it could unlock the whole puzzle of the next hundred years. You know what I mean? He knows the answers. But even just on the stuff that they're really talking about, what's going to happen in Syria? What's the story there? What's the end game? What do you see happening? You said terrorism is the most serious threat in the whole world right now. Really? You're a guy who must know that we arranged ISIS and everything else, and you're still saying that? Wow. Tell me more. Yeah. In Ukraine. What's your what is the resolution of Ukraine? What is the answer in your mind of to resolve this problem? And uh and you're continuing to grow this nukes. What's the answer there? Can you make a proposal? And finally, uh how do you suggest NATO address what they perceive as your desire to restore the at least boundaries of influence from the ussr that's a good one yeah and they they, nato absorbed the warsaw pact countries in a violation of bush's agreement with gorbachev uh, surrounding bringing down the uh wall in berlin they had a deal and clinton immediately violated that deal so these are real questions that really matter and are the most important questions in the world right now in my opinion and they're wasting time with there are 50 communists in the state department you know he didn't see the manchurian candidate they're right, yeah they're wasting time with provide like might as well are you and donald trump in a sexual relationship might as well <laughs> right. have been asking questions Who like cares? that i don't even care if he could say yes and i would still focus on the other stuff i would have asked what are the top three most useful skills you learned in the kgb that's a great one too that's a great one, too. Because the media was talking about how he's doing all these KGB Jedi mind tricks on Trump because he's in the room alone with him. He might melt his mind with his KGB skills as though he's just the I mean, most I sophisticated would... villain that's ever existed. Look, he might be. But Maybe. but while they're on the rise, they could be – that's how we viewed China. China was on the rise with China. an ideology we abhorred. And we said the only way you can get China to be co-opted into our system 
is to give them entree into the system. We did that in 1972 or whatever, but we never did that with Russia. So people like, oh, life behind the Iron Curtain was awful, blah, blah, blah. Life behind North Korea is awful. Maybe it's more of a function of, I my parents refuse to ever buy anything from China to this day because it's slave labor. So I'm not advocating having opened up with China, but it is possible that that strategy worked with China and not with Russia and North Korea because we didn't try it with them. Maybe while these guys are on the rise, you want to co-opt them rather than alienate them. Maybe you could get Putin's, uh, get him to look you in the eye and explain to you why that would or would not work. And maybe you'll get a vision, an insight into a possible path towards mutual worldwide prosperity. But we know that is not what these psychopaths at the top in the West anyway, which is what he said to Wallace. Wallace was like, what happened to you, Putin? You seem to have turned into a megalomaniac or something. And he said, really? What happened to the West that they risk the world's safety and security on these silly political battles that are illegal and illegitimate and use the, the, policing and the policy for uh internal political squabbles like he really what happened to the west he said that to wallace yeah um and he was right you made me think of something what was it oh that that offer all right so putin makes the offer to at least in the press conference to allow Mueller to come over and interview the people who were in that indictment he said to Chris Wallace, we have a treaty that addresses yeah. this that we've used in the past, and Mueller has submitted not a single name into that process. Why? And, and yeah, and so that, which is, a uh, see, when you hear things like this, it really puts into perspective how one-sided, you know, human perspective can be, because from Russia's perspective, whatever, you know, and then like I like I said to anybody, like the whole thing about do you trust Russia or the intelligence agency? How about I don't trust either one of them? Like how about that answer? How about you don't have to choose between those two? So I'm not saying you should trust uh, Russia absolutely, but I'm saying that they do have a perspective that you know most people in America just haven't considered. And the fact that Russia is investigating what they believe some of our intelligence agencies might have done and that he put that like I'll let you guys interview uh, – our people, and we would like to interview yours as well. It's kind of like, oh, wait a minute. They have a perspective also. It, it just kind of it, it broadens the, uh, in my yes. opinion, the way the way to look at a problem like this that most people have never considered. And when but yet it's very reasonable, though, because everybody has a perspective and it's a very reasonable um, proposition. Come, if, if you want to come over and talk to these people that you indicted, then I'm going to let you do it. Yet when the media reported on this, they report uh, Don Lemon started laughing and started saying, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. That should never happen ever in any any world should that ever happen. Yet it's the most reasonable thing that they have put on their show that entire day. So we have made insanity the norm and reasonableness we treat as though it's insanity. You know that came – that is the – effect the intended effect of that chatham house stuff that you played for us yep they said they said i mean so many of those clips were talking points 
on how we cannot have a dialogue. You cannot think of them as reasonable. He's an animal. He's a megalomaniac. You've never met anybody like this before. He's two-dimensional. He's Satan. He's possessed by the devil. He has his sights set on America. His fangs are out. His horns are up. He's holding his tail in his hand. You know, it's like, what? You know, and they do that a lot. I, it comes to the thing that my theme for 2018 was you're a Democrat or you're evil. Yep. And they do that in the Middle East. They do that in, uh, in Russia. They do that in even, I mean, they do that here with the Republicans. They just, it's just a, a question of you can't, that's why, what was the example of, you need you need like Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade is unconstitutional. It's a it's a states' rights issue. If oh, you, how dare you? I'm sorry, but if you eliminate it, it doesn't matter. California, for example, is never gonna ban abortion. But my point is, or like Bill Cosby is a better example. You'll tell people, okay, Bill Cosby was tricked out of, defrauded out of whatever his Sixth Amendment rights and you know, all the due process, everything he was violated and he was convicted and maybe he goes to jail or whatever. And they will say, I've had people say to me in both of those cases, I understand the law. I understand the process, but this issue is too important. Kissinger has a quote like that. This issue is too important to leave to legal processes. So that's not okay. Like you have to have legal processes that work for everyone. That's called rule of law. And it's so you don't make exceptions that will penalize people unexpectedly. They can't change their behavior for it, all that kind of stuff. It has to work. But they, they do, uh, so they, they impose when it's valuable to them a like this, do the right thing, intuitional morality. Yeah that they have to superimpose on the legal stuff because some things are just too important or some people are just too evil to be allowed to operate within the system, which is why I think Tolstoy was a spiritualist anarchist. He said the modern state is inconsistent with Christianity. And and that is the fundamental tenet of Christianity, in my opinion. Like the, I know, I'm crazy. People really spend their lives studying religion. I know that. Don't look at me for that. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you in my gut, I feel like the whole Good Samaritan thing, all that stuff was about, uh, about seeing every single solitary human being as equal in God's eyes. Unless they're Russian. Or Republican. That's what, yeah, or Republican. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Or a sexist or a bigot. Or a white guy who has... Well, white guys, come on. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, I hate to... I shouldn't even bring that up because I really hate that stuff. I hate the identity stuff. It just leaves bad I know, it's just so prevalent. It's hard. I know, I'm the one who brought it up, but I'm just saying I hate it. But, But yeah, the examples of Russia and Republicans and stuff make it... That's why they're turning political bias into... Once they put that in... They act like it's to protect Republicans, like you can't be biased against Republicans, like this whole struck thing. But by the way, Lisa Page, according to somebody who was in the testimony, 
was more cooperative with her testimony and she allegedly said now i don't know the context so and and look i'm a big believer of if you remove something from context then you've essentially stripped it of meaning so i you know what this means in full context is that like i don't know what it means but they said that she said that the text that he sent you know whether real or not meant exactly what they said they meant so she conflicted with the other guys testimony but hers was behind closed doors Hmm. well i really smell a rat with that guy like i i needed to see their wedding picture before i'll believe that's i want to see his school graduate his yearbook pictures i want to see everything although uh pf sent me a tweet today that had an article with a lot of unsubstantiated claims in it that i would have to dig into but apparently this peter struck's father was in I was stationed in Iran in like military intelligence or something in the seventies, and works for Bell Helicopter. Now that was in evidence. Well, that was in a, an old newspaper article embedded in this blog post. So that I'm taking to the bank. And Bell Helicopter, if you read Prouty's book on the Vietnam War and JFK and stuff, Bell Helicopter was uh, up to no good from beginning to end. And um, who is he again? This Peter Strzok's father. Oh, okay. So Peter Strzok apparently grew up in Iran for 10 years and then whatever. I don't know about him, but I wanted to at least have some evidence that he exists. And I don't know if the person who's saying it's him is him, although it does bear fair resemblance to the father. Fair enough. But I'm just saying, like, there's definitely some very deep state activity going on here. He's not your typical... Well, maybe he yeah. is, but yeah. I wouldn't there be. Always seems to be. Always. I mean, you scratch any of those big tech guys and you always find some connections to the military. Okay. So parent level. I want to point out, I want to ask you if you noticed one thing and then I want to play you. I have two clips of Wolf Blitzer's interview with Rand Paul just to oh, illustrate okay. the insanity. Uh, but first, I want to ask you, did you see the protester? get physically removed from the Trump-Putin press conference before it started. No. What was the protest about? It was interesting. I I found a picture because the guy was holding up a sign, but he was facing the wrong way. And I kind of – I ended up finding a shot of it from the other side that somebody took. And the sign he was holding up, it – I believe it it just said Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons – And he was standing up, showing that to people, and you can hear reporters say, turn around, turn around, show it to the camera. And then the guys come in there, and they muscle him out of there. So I looked up treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, mm, I don't recognize the title, but I do uh, know that the non-proliferation treaty is one thing, and that Putin referred to the fact that in 2002, we pulled out of the um, anti-ballistic missile uh, agreement of non-proliferation. And that's what's triggered the current arms race with Russia. I'm not sure. It might be related to that. I don't right. – all I know is okay. this information is coming from Wikipedia, so take it yep, with a great salt. But it says the treaty – 
on the prohibition of nuclear weapons or the Nuclear Weapon Ban Treaty is the first legally binding international agreement to comprehensively prohibit nuclear weapons with a goal of leading towards their total elimination. It was passed on July 7th, 2017. Oh, Uh, is that the one that's expiring next year? It's not actually enforced. So, Because they also talked about that. Maybe it was SALT or something, but... Well, here it says, let me see who all assigned it. Uh, 122 nations were in favor of it. Yeah, I'll bet. (laughs) One voted against it, one abstained, and 69 nations did not vote. Among the 69 that did not vote are all of the nuclear weapon states and all (laughs) of NATO members except the Netherlands. And then it says, no nuclear armed nation. This is the most interesting part to me. No nuclear armed nation has expressed support for a ban treaty. A number of them, including the United States and Russia, have expressed explicit opposition. North Korea was the only nuclear state to vote for initiating ban negotiations. Wow! <laughs> I don't know. This is from Wikipedia. I haven't verified this, but it, uh, that sounds it's uh, it's interesting to me that that guy was holding up just that name. That's he great. Got, he got drug out for that protest. Now I would say the opposite. I want every single country on Earth to have nukes. Hey, look, I I, I can't disagree with you there. I was thinking about that the other night. That's what like, Tesla wanted. Yeah, the only way if if we think about things, if we you know to simplify the uh, the discussion and not you know, everything's a lot more complicated than you know the the um, the abstract um, theories and stuff. But just as an easy way to talk about it, sure, society would be a lot safer if nuclear weapons, if guns, if they did not exist. That's but, not true. Death by war has plummeted since the invention of nuclear weapons. Okay. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not making the argument to make the argument. I'm making the argument to present the other side. Okay, the argument. sorry. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you mad at me now? No, no I'm not. Okay, yeah, I'm no. not. That's not the, that's not the complexity okay. they're going to. It's just yes. that if the argument is that if there are no nuclear weapons, there are no guns in the world, is going to be a safer place. If that's the argument. Okay. I'm going to let you argue that, even though I strongly disagree. Well, no, I'm not arguing that. I'm, I know, I know. I'm, I'm arguing I'm gonna, that that, that yes. is not practical. It, because the only way to actually eliminate nuclear weapons and to eliminate guns altogether and to prevent them from ever coming back would be to, one, either eliminate the resources available to make guns – which would mean taking us back to the Stone Ages and eliminating all of the modern technologies we've come to rely on, or to eliminate the knowledge to create guns. So you would have to purge from people's minds the ability to even think of the concept of a gun, because as long as someone can think of the concept of a gun and the resources exist to make a gun, then someone is going to, even if it's illegal, Someone is going to risk making guns because people with guns have an advantage over those who do not. So That's an absolutely great point. You cannot suppress technology. People will invent things all reinvent and reinvent and reinvent the same. If 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 Edison didn't come up with electricity, figure out how to harness it, somebody else would have. Well, Tesla did, <laughs> right? Or yeah. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that was I was thinking about the Tesla theory, though, the nuclear weapon theory, too. I, I, you know, I'll... Yeah, no, you're 100% right. You cannot suppress that. Now, whatever it is that Tesla, that Dr. John Trump did suppress of Tesla's is pretty amazing. And that's probably Tesla 
Either it didn't really work because they say the Russians tried to make it work, free energy, or they actually are successfully suppressing it. Yeah. But yeah, it's not yeah, as you know, That could gone. be very true. I think there probably is. You know, I, I can go real real uh, deep down the rabbit hole in that stuff, uh, especially with Tesla. Yeah. So I would agree with you that you can't ban guns for that reason. You're right. They say you can make a gun out of like a pipe and a hammer. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, you'd have you to get rid of everything. Gun, yeah, you can make a gun sometimes from what's in your jail cell. But or lobotomize people. Those are the two, two ways to get rid of them completely. Well, I that's not, that actually is, is really weird that you should say that because I do wonder what in the hell they're trying to do with uh, dumbing us down to the point where either chemically or, um, you know, chemically with, say, if you want to take the fluoride, you know, as a as a metaphor or an actual rally dumbing us down or just YouTube is dumbing us down or just the, or yeah. the schools. At the time, they really are trying to lobotomize us. And you just wonder what for, like, what fun is it if you're going to run a zoo you know what I mean? Like, what fu- what fun is it for them to control us all if we're not even worthy of a fight? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just don't understand what they're after. What are they after? Heaven on Earth? Vision? You know, visions of some sort of eternity? Transhumanism? Yeah. Yeah. The other See, the alternative, I think, when it comes to that, is you know we can spend all this time and I know that this is just to illustrate that you know it's really a divide and conquer tactic that we waste a lot of time fighting over and yeah the complexities of it and, and having some regulations or whatever those those arguments can be made but we can spend all this time fighting with each other over this thing that's really uh would require some pretty drastic measures to eliminate some drastic impossible measures yeah. or we can embrace the technology and the knowledge we have and we can try to innovate a way that that creates a tool or some technology that is just as effective as as guns but not lethal so some sort of weapon or some sort of tool that uh you know you push a button and it makes all the guns in the area completely ineffective that wow that's pretty crazy too it's a lot more possible than the other two options you know what i mean yeah but First of all, I think, well. If there was like a, a, some sort of sound wave button, here's a sound wave button. You push the button, it just completely disables any gun that's pointed at you. Uh, I would buy that. I can't imagine how you could do that when guns are so simple. The how is not what I'm looking for here. I know, but like, I don't even, I, I think that. I think that if everyone had a gun, guns would be neutralized. No, I, I completely agree. But my point is, though, um, that if if this technology – we have this increasing amount of technology that we're innovating, yeah. that if we start well, thinking about things in that way – Super lightweight body armor, but they're trying to ban that. Yeah, you're right. And I if know that these aren't – this isn't what the elites want. They don't want us to think in this way. Yeah. My point is that if we think in these ways, if we think in yeah. how can we create something that – makes guns completely ineffective that is not lethal then we're going to start we're not going to get the how right away but simply thinking in that direction is going to start well i'll tell you you can just think it because as far as i know uh getting shot with a gun most of the time if you're shot with a bullet you are it's not fatal they have to actually get you somewhere where you're gonna die i'm not saying i you know, I'm not afraid of guns. I'm just saying that if you if if everybody had a chainmail skull cap 
and a little chain mail there. You know, like you could actually think that way, super lightweight armor. And the fact that most gunshots are not fatal, uh, you know, I guess what I'm saying yeah, is we should wear mid- the, medieval the, armors, right? Is that what you're take, saying? I'm not even saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying take the ter- terror out of it. You don't even have to do any of those things. You don't have to neutralize guns. Just take the terror out of it because the reality is it's very unlikely that you're going to get randomly killed by a gun. Now, if you piss off some guy who wants to kill you, he may kill you, whether he has a gun or not. You should be afraid of homicidal people you piss off. But the reason the guns are so terrifying is that we are terrified of guns. Yeah. You don't have to actually neutralize them. You just have to stop being so terrified. You know what I'm more terrified of than guns? Knives. Oh, really? Knives are everywhere. And, you know, you can really, uh, there's a lot of blood if you cut yourself. Glass, broken glass. I mean, I bet there are 100,000 broken glass lacerations in the ER every year. And there are, you know what I mean? Or uh, 10 times guns. Knives and, and knives and knives are bags. you got to be you can shoot somebody from a distance, but to use a knife, I mean, people, you got to get in there. That's like, yeah, you got to get in there. And, and, uh, I don't know. I just, I feel like a gun, you're, you're really going to try to go after somebody. Yeah, a knife, I, you could just right. accidentally, you know, <laughs> hurt yourself. And they're everywhere. Like, you could really get hurt all the time just by accident using knives. Yeah, I see what but you're saying with guns. My 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 point was just that it's a lot more productive to um, think of ways to uh, use the technology we have to create new innovations that render guns useless than it is to fight with each other all the time about the the existence of something that's always going to exist. Yes, I'm beginning to come to terms with that with my daughter having an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. stop resisting and just trust in the goodness of my having raised her that she's going to wake up to it eventually the way she woke up to princesses being silly. What hel- helping her find something that she would rather spend her attention on than that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even, I, I really am just kind of letting go and it seems to have reduced the main problem with the phone, which is our conflict. You should just phone. rename her iPhone since that's all you ever see <laughs> instead of her face. No, I just, I'm just trying to let go. I'm just trying to let go of the fear and trust in her goodness. Well, I will will pray for you both. I feel like, no, I'm just saying, I feel like that's relevant to the gun question because that's the answer. The answer is either we're human beings. Yes, good point. You know, we can handle the technology. We can invent and think up. Every single person could think it up and figure it out by now. Either we are worthy of the civilization we've created or, or it's totally hopeless. That, that's so. a great point. It's, it's uh, cultivating a society where guns are going to exist, but the people in the society in the society have the emotional regulation and wherewithal not to use them. And that's how they emerged. Yeah, that's what happened. You know, and even the Wild West was just not so wild. Yeah, it just yeah. wasn't. I mean, things are not like that. That's why Westworld. I'm really sick of it because. Well, I shouldn't say that. I watch, watch season the two. second it comes out. Well, I can't. I have to wait for my husband. He travels a lot, and I can't watch it without him, so we get behind. But uh, but it's so misleading about human nature because it acts like the Wild West was simply about raping and killing every single solitary person. And you know, that's not what people want to do. They want to grow stuff. I agree. 
Okay, let me play you these clips. They're this is just two clips of uh of Wolf Blitzer interviewing Rand Paul. And in this first one, Rand Paul puts kind of like you did a little while ago, he puts the election meddling in perspective, and Wolf Blitzer pretty much just ignores his answer and illustrates just how outside of reality uh, the media is today. Uh, we put this in perspective, Wolf. Uh, Dove Levine looked at this from the Carnegie Mellon Institute, and he looked at it from 1946 to 2000, and he found 81 times that the U.S. involved themselves and meddled in elections of foreign countries, 36 times that the Soviet Union did. It doesn't make it right, but I've said this before and I'll say it again. Any country that can spy does, and any country that can meddle in foreign elections does. All countries are doing this, but we've elevated this to a, a, a higher degree, and we've made this all about the sour grapes of Hillary Clinton losing the election, and it's all about partisan politics now. This is truly the Trump derangement syndrome that motivates all of this. Senator, Senator, I got to disagree with you. Let me, and I know Dan Coates disagrees with you as well. I'll read the statement he issued today after the president's news conference with Putin. Listen to this, and then I'll give you a chance to respond. Uh, we have been clear in our assessments of Russian meddling in the 2016 election and their ongoing pervasive efforts to undermine our democracy. And we will continue to provide unvarnished and objective intelligence in support of our national security. Go Notice how he completely ignored that first part of, of Rand's answer where yeah. he puts it in context. Right. And he said, I'm going to have to disagree with you. What are, what are you disagreeing about? That this is Trump derangement syndrome? And actually, I was a little disappointed that Rand stipulated that they didn't. I don't think they did. I uh, know. He does. You know, he doesn't fully commit to saying that. He, he always says that stuff. It, it annoys me. But I like that he's, you know, says good stuff. But I, I don't yeah. believe it. Here's the next one. This one, Wolf Blitzer, and he did this throughout the entire interview, tries to force Rand Paul to say that he trusts the intelligence agencies, which this is another thing that this summit was about. You must trust the intelligence agencies. Who do you trust, Senator, the American intelligence community, the American law enforcement community, or Vladimir Putin? <laughs> What I would say is that all power needs to have checks and balances. And I think our intelligence community has way too much power. The fact that Peter Strzok was able to bring incredible bias towards the president to work but, every but day. But, Senator, who do you that, believe? That who do you believe? Us. That's not the question. The, the right question that should be asked, Wolf, is should that power be unchecked or should you have a judicial system that says, you know what? I understand what you're saying. You have to have warrants. But, you have to have checks and balances on intelligence. But who do you believe, the intelligence community of the United States or Putin? <laughs> I, I'm not discounting the uh, allegations that the Russians hacked into Hillary Clinton's emails. I'm not discounting that at all. So, so why, just, why don't you just say you believe in the intelligence community, the law enforcement? You accept their, their, you accept their assessments. Just, just say he it, Rand. He didn't say that. Yeah, he didn't say accept it. He said, I don't. I, I'm not disputing that. The 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 idea, this whole thing, this whole thing, it's just they they drill down on trust, belief, yeah. faith, authority. I mean, it's so it, it's clear that I mean, it's a meme of epic magnitude. And this goes back to the what I was saying earlier about normalizing insanity and making what's uh, reasonable seem insane. It's perfectly reasonable to say, 
I don't trust either one of them because historically they've both or they've all given me a reason not to trust them when you understand the history involved here. That, that's a reasonable answer to say, I, I choose, just like the, the Nazi versus uh, Antifa thing. You know what? I protest both of them. I don't have to of choose course. one of these two sides. But that is not a reasonable answer for the media. You, you're not allowed to say that. They are absolutely laying the groundwork for for just a total – totalitarianism over information rule by intelligence agencies yeah but i mean they're trying to they are demonizing critical thinking absolutely that's i mean this is just like you you read socrates the trial all he did was ask questions and because he asked questions he's guilty of introducing knowledge that corrupts the youth by letting by teaching them these things, so he he is uh, sentenced to death. But he only taught them critical thinking, right? right? Yeah, and that's what Putin was doing to Chris Wallace. It was pretty funny. You got to watch the interview. I'll Chris, I'll make yeah, a few man. notes of Chris Wallace is such an asshole. <laughs> I just can't. He's such a condescending. He does these special interviews like he's like their go to guy for these special interviews, and he's such a. Like he's an all-knowing jerk in all of them. Yeah, he's he's awful. I and I really liked that Putin wouldn't have it. I actually felt that I felt that Wallace was a little nervous. That made me feel good. He probably was. And I want to clarify just because we're living a day and age where we have to qualify now; otherwise, we'll be jailed. They'll just cut out your qualifications. Don't worry. (laughs) Whatever you say, they're going to just like edit it together, Papa John style. I want to reiterate I'm watching that thing and I don't trust Putin either. I also don't trust our intelligence agencies. And there's, there was like watching Putin's body language and stuff is interesting, knowing that he's a former KGB guy. That shouldn't be discounted. No, he was, but but it was beautiful that he was mastering Chris Wallace. I mean, the level that he operates at is higher. Than Chris Wallace. So he can actually Chris Wallace is operating at such a low level with such BS yeah. that Putin doesn't actually have to introduce anything. You know what I mean? All he's he, got to he sound reasonable. Just, yeah, he was just Socratic methoding him. Yeah. He was just like, why would that let's think about this for a second? Let's just analyze this for a minute. And he's like, no, yeah. no, no, we don't do that here in America. We don't think about things for yeah, a second. And he does throw out a couple of things like you shouldn't terrorize your population this way, Putin said to Wallace. Why are you doing this? And, he, and so he lectured him? He just said, like, you've got to stop interrupting me because you're trying to terrify your own population. And with, oh my gosh, with Megyn Kelly, that is also on the Kremlin website. He says to her, this kind of silliness you're spewing or whatever, rolling out for the housewives who watch your show. <laughs> but even they can understand if you will just let me explain it to them. It was like, whoa, so funny and true. All right. So here's a CNN commentator explaining to reporters. She was asked, what should reporters keep in mind when reporting on Trump and Russia, because it's just so hard and can be complex. And here is her answer. This Who's was from, her? Sorry. I can't remember her name. He says it at the beginning. This but is what? CNN's uh, Reliable Sources with Brian Stelter, where he has a panel of four or five people 
who all agree that they hate Trump. Never, no other perspective <laughs> is represented. What's the point anymore. of a panel? What's the point of a panel if you're just if everybody agrees? Well, you get a white guy who's a Republican and he's yeah. a, an apologist for a Republican, but he hates oh, Trump. Oh yeah. You get a black female. You get a, a white liberal female, and you just get these different you demographics. Don't have a pro stupid white Republican. Every they used to bring on bring on a Kingston. So they could – because he has a country voice and they can oh. make him sound stupid. But they don't even do that anymore. They don't even I bring on the alternative. I had Mickey Rourke on. I was like, okay, this <laughs> is not a represent. He was on drugs. All right. Okay. All right. Check this out. Samantha, how should folks here on television, you know, writing pieces as well, help help keep the story straight for, you know, relatively casual news consumers who are not watching every single new development? I think there are two pieces of this story that get a lot less attention these days. The first is the attack didn't stop in 2016. So Donald Trump is walking into this Helsinki summit meeting with his attacker. We are under a live attack by the Russian government. So this is not a meeting of equals. It's not even a meeting of rivals. It's a meeting of the attacker. And at this point, a willing victim. I mean, this is how, how they're telling people to frame this story. It's just can, such nonsense. Exactly. What outcome? I, I mean, this but is Trump what I would ask people. to be like raped this. by Putin. Like what she said was actually kind of disgusting and sexual. You know? Yeah, it was. It I mean, was. I don't mean to say it to put sex on things, but what she's saying is like blaming the victim for being molested. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, and I this mean, is the message crazy. that they're they're trying to deliver. And I would ask what outcome. This is what I say to my friends who buy into this. And I wish somebody would say to some of these pundits, but they're not going to. Is I would say, okay, what, let's let's say that you're president. What would you do? How would you handle Putin? You know, instead of meeting with him, would you just you know go to war with him would you try to have him off and would well, we you install so, like what is your solution because it seems that world war 3 and the installation of a new president which in effect is meddling in another country's government seems to be the only outcome that you will accept we we saw what they want they want even though chris wallace works for fox they want you to go and say hey you feel good about killing syrian babies yeah you feel good about killing your enemies you feel good about that? You have no qualms about that, little man? <laughs> you know, because that's the thing. It's very hard to buy this. Uh, Putin is raping Trump because Trump looks to me to be literally two times the size of Putin. Yeah. Like two times the size. So that narrative, like if he's looming over anyone, he is looming over Putin. It was uncomfortable for him, I think, how tiny Putin I noticed that, yeah. And I just I feel like it's just so hard to see him being totally dominated if you care about visual stuff and body language. But I agree. No, I think Putin is a master. I mean a master, but it's not that hard. It's it's the requirement of the job. You should have to be a master to be at that level. You know what I mean? We train our guys through reality shows. Our 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 uh, politicians are two-bit actors. These guys are spies. It's at least a testament to his population or like the way they talk about British Parliament, like, oh, those guys really duke it out and they really r raise the level of discourse because the prime minister is actually still a, you know, a minister and he's got to get in there and 
um, and your people are so stupid. Of course, the outcomes are all exactly the same. Like the oligarchs get everything and we get lied to and it's all propaganda, blah, blah, blah. But it is a testament to a population when their guy has to be on his toes. And our our population, uh, I mean, whether you think Trump is the guy who's manipulating or Anderson Cooper or whatever, we really don't. We're not on our toes. So I'm not, not saying on our toes as I'm in. Not, I'm not saying Putin is great or true or any of that. I'm just saying he's formidable. Yeah. And you got to respect that a little bit. And I think that, you know, Trump did the same thing. Like you said, it wasn't cringeworthy. And he did. It was a similar thing as the North Korean summit is he was respectful to them in public on the national stage. And this idea that he's supposed to stand up in front of the world with all the cameras and all these people on him and thumb his nose down at him. You know, and say you need to stop this, or we're and, and seriously, physically threaten violence against them. Otherwise, the whole thing is unacceptable and treason is absurd. That never happens. Anytime someone says that they, uh, you know, threaten someone or told them to cut it out, it's always when they're not with the other person that you don't get in front of other world leaders and and publicly bully and threaten them. That just That's- doesn't happen. That's exactly what Putin said to Wallace. Like, exactly. Not in those words, but he said, why would we get on a plane? These people spent months and months arranging this. We're going to get on a plane and in person start to insult each other. I said, you don't need to get together to do that. Right. That's not why you get together. You get together to do the opposite of that. That's exactly what he said. Yeah, that people would accept that, that rationale. And, and, you know, you, you read Facebook and Twitter, people who... It would seemingly be normal individuals capable of critical thought believe that doing that ridiculous thing is the only acceptable outcome. That's and these are the same people who say that Trump is a laughingstock. Yeah. That he's and he's uh, been a Russian for decades. You know, that's that's yeah, the but new they thing. say he goes out in the world and embarrasses us, but he really doesn't. But they decide that before, you know, the hashtag uh, treason. You know, all the all the hashtags about how wrong whatever Trump does are always started before he does the thing. They poison the well, so they just justify whatever happens to fit that uh, perception that they, you know, they had long before it ever happened. I think it's even I mean, that's for the for the consumer. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. So. Unless you have anything else that you want to discuss on that, I um. I, I told you about that Michael Moore interview with Colbert that it got a little bit of attention, but I, I seriously think it should get more attention because it's honestly one of the most radical interviews I, I've ever seen. And it's Michael Moore is inciting the the masses for his own profit. And I wanted to play some of those clips for you. But if you had some other stuff you wanted to talk about with this first, we can do that too. No, but I definitely want to visit this on the WSB show. Okay, cool. Yeah, we can get some uh, some good audio and stuff to play yeah. for the WSB show. Okay, so this Michael Moore interview, this was a couple of weeks ago. Michael Moore is on, on Stephen Colbert's show. Stephen Colbert is just a total lackey and a puppet. He is the most unchallenging comedian that 
anybody's ever seen. The guy does nothing bold ever. He does. It's real brave to get up and make these formulaic I hate Trump jokes every single night in front of a crowd that is there just to hear I hate Trump jokes. That's that's not a brave thing to do. And the entire premise of the show is sarcasm. Oh, yeah, exactly. He is not a conservative, but he acts like one. It's just mockery and sarcasm. In his old show, he wasn't. That was the Colbert Report. Oh, is there a new show? Yeah, he's the host of uh, the the one that Letterman used to host. Oh, really? Yeah, you didn't know that? that? No, I'm really not a uh, network TV he is their darling. Watcher. All he does, the whole thing is about Trump the whole time. And let me make one more point I forgot to mention about the summit is that throughout history, when dictators and tyrants have dominated people, murdered masses of people or whatever, it was never an individual who is part of the minority. It was never the minority of people that enabled that you know i'm not saying like the elites the shadow government that fund things i'm just talking about you know uh socrates uh jesus you know the the these these people during their time were persecuted by the mobs and the masses the tyrants hitler stalin uh you know they were fueled by propaganda they propagandized the masses and they had control of the majority and the majority was a mindless mob that enabled them to uh be tyrants and murder people it was never the minority of people which which in, enabled them to do that so like these masses of people who are jumping on board of this um you know we hate everything trump does and we hate anybody who uh, who disagrees with how we feel about it and they're trying to persecute people, the, the small minority of people who are willing to stand against them, kind of like Rand Paul. They're the ones that are enabling tyrants, not Rand Paul. You know what I mean? I don't think I was very clear. I was <laughs> as clear as I would like to be on that point. But uh, people I get what you're ha- the minority I mean, perspective is never the one that enables a tyrant to kill people, to kill masses. Well, I'm just – I'm kind of thinking about – the French Revolution, for example, but I believe that those were that was a power struggle at the top. You know what I mean? I feel like when the revolution is hijacked by powerful people, I think it's I'm thinking of revolutions as as you know, doing bad things, which supposedly is kind of the uprising of the people. But I think most of the time those are actually orchestrated by a real power struggle at the top. Yeah. The stuff at the top is, is a different story. I'm just talking about the, the general public, the, these tyrants, they, they deliver these messages that propagandize the general public into buying in to whatever system or whatever agenda that they're on board with. And it's it's when they have the support or they've basically mind-controlled the majority of people that they are enabled to enlarge in that majority and snuff out anybody who disagrees. Yeah, they want I, – I will say it sounds like this idea of enhancing dysfunctional subcultures, which I still can't get over because I see it as the source of this hate, of this – yeah, you know, like the anti-Semitism and the racial divides and all that kind of stuff. They're actually fomenting it. It's getting worse. And I'm certain I or I shouldn't say I'm sorry, but I have no doubt they're doing it on purpose. Oh, yeah, so they're creating these horrible, horrible, backwards, 
you know, situations and it's definitely coming from the top. It's in the, it's in the government, it's proposals at the Pentagon level where they're talking about this. Absolutely. DARPA studying memes. I I agree. Yeah. I mean, that's just sick. And that I do, I do. It's a good point that you're making and I'm going to have to let it sink in. I need to articulate it in a better way. Um, how, what I'm trying to We'll we'll start seeing it now that you mentioned it. It'll be like, oh, obviously, there is no other way because there is no other way unless it's human nature to be in constant state of hate. But I don't think so. I think the history of humanity was that we had ethnic divides by language or whatever, geography. um, And that's why, you know, that's how you grow up. Like even little babies have to recognize their own parents versus people who look way different from them. I don't think the origin is this human soul full of hate. I think it's exploited and morphed into hate for political purposes. And it had emerged into hate as cultures clash from invasions. And I mean like real, like barbarians in Rome and stuff. You're going to have those problems. But I do not, you know, my basic, I don't really believe that we're, uh, that hate is always going to bubble up from the bottom. I think it's used... Absolutely. It's, it's used from people at the top. That's, you know, that's uh, how you propagandize them. Hate, hate is one of the most powerful emotions that you can drive and it's people really, to feel. It's really redirection. Yep. It's what they do. What they're doing is they're Absolutely. taking your frustrations in life, which is I got to work really hard just to get what I need to eat to work again. You know, that's a vicious circle of life. And they're saying that's because somebody... Yeah. Nobody, other people don't have that problem. Yeah, these people. Like somebody's doing that to you. It's like, no, I have a mouth. <laughs> you know, uh, I have yeah. a mouth. I gotta put pie into. So it's nobody else is doing it at that level. I just think what I mean in, in the perspective of this is, you're watching Trump, you're watching Rand Paul yesterday, and these two are saying things that they know they're gonna get blasted for, especially Rand Paul. Because uh, Rand Paul is, is just – I mean Trump knows he's going to get blasted. That's just what happens on a daily basis. But Rand Paul isn't the president. He isn't – you know, he isn't as powerful. He's not in a, in a position like Trump's. It's And he's, he's getting blasted. Huh? He's representing Kentuckians. He's a representative. He, and he's just getting blasted as a Nazi. People are – I tweeted the thing to, at you where the one guy, he basically advocated violence towards Rand Paul because of yes. his position, which was a very reasonable position. You're, and you're watching this, and, and these people who are saying these things – are are seeing him as the devil, as the Nazi who's going to do these horrible things to people, yet he's one person. He's the only person besides Trump who has actually come back and recanted some of his statements uh, he, he made yesterday. Rand Paul's the only person saying a reasonable um, argument against the, the argument that everybody else in the country is making. He is the only one that is publicly doing that, and he is just being attacked. And it's as though this one person is going to defeat the millions of people who have been mind-controlled into believing he's a Nazi. It's not him that's going to enact tyranny. It's the mindless mob that is accusing him of being a Nazi that are going to do the things that Nazis did. But you know why he is – you know, one man versus the entire mob, why he has that power, because 
He's making a true and simple point that everyone can verify with their own brains in real time the second they hear it. And that kind of truth can just be like, uh, you know, ripples in a pond that wake people up. It's like correcting a dog. You give him yeah. a little nudge and he's like, what? Oh, yeah, right. I don't care about that other dog. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, it's just because he has the power of truth and critical thinking. He attack. I'm not. I'm not hero making him a hero. I'm just saying he is a big threat because he he was totally rational. Right. Yeah. I I, I think my broader my, my broader point there would be that whenever you find yourself quickly and especially when you're enraged, when you're filled with passion and emotion, jumping on board of the mindless mob persecuting or insulting the small minority that opposes you, they're not the tyrant. You are. Nice. That is very excellent. Okay, so Michael Moore, the interview with Colbert, and if you don't know who Michael Moore is, Michael Moore is a very wealthy Propaganda film documentarian, and when I say he's a propaganda documentarian, everybody agrees on that. On the left, on the right, in the center, he is studied in academic propaganda studies and, and propaganda books going back um, 15 years. Michael Moore's work is studied as being purely propaganda. He is a guy who is known to care little about the truth and to use propaganda techniques. So. This is that's not like a, a biased opinion. Everybody who is aware of Michael Moore's work is aware that what he does is make propaganda films. Even he talks about it. So when people don't agree with that or or, or they or they automatically dismiss it, they simply have not done the research. So all of his work should be viewed through that way. Not to say that there's not ever any kernels of truth in some of his work. It has to be mostly truth or it wouldn't work. Yeah. I mean, right. factually, it has to be predominantly true or it wouldn't work at all. Yeah, it's it's the context. Again, it's pulling it out of context, strips it of the meaning, and he injects the meaning that he wants people to uh, take away from it. Um, Mostly, so, he probably stuff out that would provide a better explanation for the point he's trying to prove. Absolutely. It's the whole idea of whenever they mention uh, – it's, it's similar to that concept of whenever CNN, MSNBC, Fox says, we have audio of so-and-so doing this damning thing. If they do not play that audio over and over again because they've proven that that's what they do when they actually have audio, then that audio either does not exist or right. it undermines the narrative they're trying to push. And it's, it's similar with that. Is uh, When they mention these things, if you don't hear the full context, then it's probably um, some distortion going on. In this first clip, Michael Moore introduces Colbert. He comes onto the show. He introduces to Colbert his new movie. That's coming out in September. And yeah, I, I'm just going to play these because it, a lot of it kind of speaks for itself. Uh, look, we're in, we're in deep, deep trouble here. Well, you have, a new, you have a new film about the trouble that we're in. What's the name of the film? I'm finishing the film right now. Okay. It'll be out September 21st. And um, thank you. And um, it's, called, uh, it's called Fahrenheit 11.9. The night he was announced as president of the United States. Oh, okay, okay. And um, <laughs> are there any surprises in this? I mean, can, what, what, what? 
What are you covering? <laughs> this is about how the hell we got in this situation and how we're going to get out of it. Politically or uh, about, like, well, what, do you deal with collusion? Or is it, can you tell us anything about what? It's, I, I can't reveal too much right now. We're still, we're in the final edit of the film. Okay. And, um, and have a clip here, though. There are, yes, there are some things. You're going to see things you have not seen. How about I just put it that way? Okay. Well, like a unicorn it. wearing pants, things I haven't seen. <laughs> what is that? Like he, he, he presents this very dire tone. And you heard him when he said Fahrenheit 11.9, you know, the, the day yes, he was. Yes, but I, I have yeah. an answer to this question. All right, all right, go ahead. How did we get here? Right. We got here because of the strong arm tactics the Democrats used to get Obamacare passed. I think Trump, whatever, let's keep out all my <laughs> peeling the onion on Trump, regardless of whether he's a limited hangout or the real deal. The, the, that vast majority of people felt disenfranchised when Obamacare got shoved down their throats. And that's, yeah, the, that's when I got off the couch. Yep. Yeah, he talks about he talks about getting people off the couch here in a moment. Michael Moore does. That was the beginning of the interview, and he comes out with this very dire tone. This this look, look, we have a problem. So he spends this entire interview really emphasizing how dire and how urgent this problem is that's going on in America, this Trump and Trump supporter problem that we have. And he tries to put, you know, the fear of of the worst fear imaginable in people's minds, and yet he tells them that he has the answer, and it's in his movie, and even though the problem is urgent and their lives are all in danger, he'll tell them the answer in two short months for a small price. Nobody has <laughs> exploited capitalism more than Michael Moore using communistic appeals. The guy loves capitalism. He's exploiting these people. And it's so obvious, but they're so blinded to it, and it gets it gets worse as the interview goes on. The this next clip, all right. Now this is a really long clip. I just kept the I, I left it unedited because I, I want you to hear the whole thing. It's about two and a half minutes. It starts with him playing the actual movie trailer, and this the visual on the movie trailer is him in a parking lot. With the documentary film crew following him, he's walking around the parking lot at Mar-a-Lago, basically trying to get into a party that he was not invited to. So it's one of those things where you ambush somebody with a camera and then you try to provoke them into doing something is essentially. And this is what his documentaries are often like. So he plays the clip of his trailer. And then this is the really interesting part to me. He then goes on to justify why people should not be civil to Trump, to his supporters, or to Republicans. You can't be civil, and he explains why in this clip. Hey, Michael Moore. How are you, sir? We're just in the area shooting my next film. Okay. I thought I'd check out the Southern White House. Uh, Secret Service sent me down here. I want to go up and talk to Donald Trump. Can I ask? I mean, just tell him it's me. I know, I know. Did they not let you in? I was in there for a total of 11 and a half minutes. 
Did, did you? Did, did they forcibly toss you out? Uh, no, they're not. They're not able to do that with me. <laughs> Michael Moore, were you civil? Um, I I am as civil as as any Eagle Scout Catholic altar boy could be when confronted with the devil. <laughs> well, is there? You got to give the devil his due. Woo! The devil. <laughs> So what, what do you make of these calls for civility? Do you, do you think that um, um, the calls confronting people, say, in restaurants? The calls or, that are coming from the uncivil, asking Democrats who are usually so wimpy and weak and, no, it's okay, you know, we, we, we'll take half of universal health care. We, we don't need the whole thing. You know, that's how our side sounds all the time. Mm-hmm. We're constantly coming in. And then a few people want to stand up and say, no, I've had enough. That's it. And we don't have to be violent. We have to remain nonviolent. But, um, you know, if the worst that's going to happen to anybody in the Trump administration is that they don't get to have a chicken dinner in, in Virginia, I mean, I don't know. Listen, I think, listen, seriously, if it were just that we had these differences, um, I don't think it's right to throw Sarah Sanders out of the restaurant because I disagree with her politically. If I see her come into my movie, I'm not going to say you can't see my movie. But that's not what's going on right now. We're not talking about political differences. We're talking about thousands of children being kidnapped from their parents <laughs> and put in jails. And the, uh, the headline, I don't know if you saw it while you were lying for the show here tonight, but they, they have ruled now that toddlers must appear in these immigration courts with alone. They cannot have an advocate or a lawyer, anybody with them. But they have to they, they could bring in the three and four and five-year-old and they have to stand there alone in the docket. This is insanity. This is not who we are, is it? No, it's not. It's, it really, it, this. Okay, I'm going to point out a couple of things about that clip. Then I want to get your take on it. The movie trailer, to begin with, he threw the cop sounds in on post-editing to make it sound like they called the cops on him. Maybe they did, but that was clearly a post. I have that same sound in, in iMovie. Um, <laughs> secondly, he says, and you'll hear it in this next clip after this as well, you know, we don't have to be violent. But then he he uh, condones people throwing Sarah Sanders out because this isn't just political differences. This is thousands of children. So let's think about this for a second. If you are – if Michael Moore's celebrity is, you know – kind of subtly praising the actions of people who throw Sarah Sanders out of a restaurant and who go across the street while she's eating at another restaurant and shout her down. He's encouraging this behavior, which he goes on to further do here in a moment. And if you encourage this behavior, people are going to put themselves in situations that the only outcome inevitably in some of these occasions is going to be either an arrest or a physical alteration. The only reason this does not end in a physical alteration is if the person being shouted down takes the higher ground and emotionally regulates themselves. So he's telling people to do things that's going to lead to them getting in legal trouble or getting arrested, and he's not going to be doing that. So he is putting people in harm's way, and they don't realize that. He's, he's, he's oh, messing yeah. with them. He so, didn't do that. He said, they said, did you, they forcibly removed, they, they can't do that with me because he left. Yeah. He, you know, he's making a fat joke on himself, but also you're right because oh. he's probably surrounded by bodyguards who are armed bodyguards because the and communists. He's only there 11 and a half minutes. If he wanted to just sit down, they, I know. it would have been more than 11 and a half minutes before they decided 
You know what I mean? If they couldn't physically remove him, then he should have just sat down for 14 days. And they knew who he was, so he obviously got in there. And he had cameras. Right. Yeah, I want to meet Trump, too. I want to ask him what he thinks. I want to get my my mind about the Fourth Amendment. Can I go knock on that door? Is that not? Get a camera crew and, uh, you know. Obama? Tell him you're a documentary filmmaker. So he makes the child, you know, he, he this this isn't about these are this isn't about le- or political differences. This is these are monsters taking thousands of children away is what he's saying there. And the most interesting part of that to me is you notice towards the end of it where he really was inciting the mob. You hear people shouting in the audience. No, that's not who we are. Like really rallying up the mob there in that clip. I'm sure they told them ahead of time how to do it, too. They tell you. Have you ever sat in one of those shows? Yeah, they have the uh, the stage, oh, the yeah, stage people. Yeah, but the Wranglers. But Michael Moore, this is what he does. Though Michael Moore, he's skilled at doing this. Like he does this everywhere he goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that fa- little fact he used, he said, I don't know if you you notice the headline while you're while waiting in line for the show. And he plays this like he's this like a nerdy innocent guy, but he's not. He's very insidious. He's very calculated. Where and he goes, what they're doing now? Now what they're doing? As though this just started happening. Now what they're doing is they're not. The, the three-year-olds have to stand in the docket by themselves. They're not allowed to have a lawyer as though just the other day Trump was walking around going, well, what else can we do to screw these stupid kids over? I hate them. <laughs> Let's take away the lawyers next. <laughs> you know, he puts a cigarette out on a baby's head or something. <laughs> this has been going on for decades. This, there's nothing new about this lawyer situation because they don't have the same rights if you are not an American citizen. So he just – he just pretended something that's been going on for decades was brand new, and he used it to incite this rally, and he used it as a reason why people cannot be civil to Republicans and Trump. That and is why serious. Sarah Sanders should not be able to eat dinner at a restaurant. Right, exactly. It wouldn't be a problem if it was just political, but it's not political. They're kidnapping babies yep. and throwing them against the wall in the courtroom. I mean, and that's truly, truly insidious when that has been going on for a long, long time. He's exploiting the ignorance of the audience and playing to their emotions, and he's he's inciting a mob. That's dangerous stuff. And like, and if you have to make stuff up, maybe you're not right. What the reason? Yeah, I know exactly. But he didn't care because he's what he's trying to do is he needs people to be upset about it so that in two months they say they buy his movie. Yes, they say I, I I'm so angry I have to do something. Somebody tell me what I can do. This is what community organizers do. They get people angry and then they say you don't know what to do. But now that you're angry, I'll tell you what you can do. He's getting people angry so they can say oh, I better go see Michael Moore's movie so I know what to do. And, and I know I told a you this, of money. I told you this last week, but that I forgot to tell you today. That tour guide uh, who I was talking to about politics, she said, well, this is crazy how there's only uh, you guys don't there isn't one person, one vote. I mean, what kind of a democracy is that? That's crazy. And I said, that's not really how it works. Kind of complicated. So Michael Moore, I mean, why would he? (laughs) Why? Yeah. She said, why would he lie? Uh, And I I was like, (laughs) Thunderstruck by that, I was like, well, I, 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 uh, "Why would he lie?" He's, uh, you know, he wants to run the world. He's wants to sell his movie. He, uh, I don't know, but he's definitely not the uh, oracle of truth. Yeah, 
But this reached to St. Petersburg, Russia, Michael Morris. Yeah, he's a powerful guy. He couldn't imagine that he would have any motives other than to spread truth. It's crazy. And I I didn't even think to say, well, he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars purely on getting people outraged like you feel right now. And you're not even an American. That is how he has made his entire fortune Mm -hmm. is by getting people outraged, misconstruing the truth while doing it. And – The reason I point out that comment he made about the three-year-olds now not having the lawyers, using that as the reason why, and the reason that really got the crowd riled up before he started screaming, this isn't who we are, no, you know, this just crazy stuff is because, you know, the previous one, the previous comment he made about the thousands of children being stripped away at the borders, you can lay out the case law, you can lay out- Kidnapped. Right, kidnapped at the board, but snatched away from their families because that's how ICE operates. Ice, ICE is like a burglar, like a purse thief who waits in the bushes and jumps out and snatches your baby away from you and runs off. That's how they operate, according Wait, to Michael Moore. Some of those kids might actually have been kidnapped. I mean, that's what a lot of that stuff is, is human trafficking. Yeah. That they're worried about, and they can't verify the parents. I mean, I think the story— anyway. But that, you know, that aspect of it, you can lay all that information out all day and people are still going to say Obama didn't do it. It didn't matter. It's it's different. But this one is is so easy. This one, there's no argument. There's no argument saying that this is a new policy. Yeah, he is. It's it's the most easy policy to find out the truth about in about five seconds. Yet he is using it as though it's brand new. So it's like the the fact that he's willing to blatantly lie like that in order to incite a mob. It it shows how dangerous it it really is. It it, it, I I think it would could be interpreted as criminal. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I I think he's like I was thinking the same thing when I watched. I'm like this guy could be guilty for inciting you know violence. This is what he's trying to do. And not long after he did this, another person shouted somebody else down. And I predicted this a long time ago because I, I've read about how this radicalization process works in Chinese communist camps and uh, you know in communist countries and other countries throughout the world. Um, somebody threw like a, a brick or something through one of their congressmen's windows. And this is what I'm talking about when Michael Moore and other people like this are inciting you know, everyday, otherwise good people – into being violent, into becoming radicals, they're the ones who are going to get in trouble, not Michael Moore. It starts with going to a rally, you know, it starts with going to a women's march. And then it's, oh, here, I'm going to help you create your own indivisible group in your town. But before you know it, you're throwing a Motov cocktail through your congressperson's window. Well, and that's what that Panamanian guy at the Stacey Abrams thing was like, the system's not working. So now right. we have to do this. And now when they when they're inciting people to close down highways and stuff, mobs to go, that's yeah. so not yeah, yeah. American. Like no American does that. That is not what we do. It's dangerous, man. And you, somebody can get killed it's, doing that. Yes, we don't. It's not like they're dirt roads or people don't have nice homes to live, and they're not driven to kill themselves because of pestilence and starvation. Right. But I want to give a couple of reactions to that. Clip. Yeah, go for it. So in the beginning, he said uh, that Democrats are wimpy and passive and accommodating and agreeable, basically. For example, yeah. we we will settle for half of universal health care, which is funny because one minute before that, I said the reason that he's 
that we are where we are is the strong arm tactics where half more than half the country is disenfranchised and forced to accept Obamacare against their will. Like that was so the opposite of the way it really is. Yeah. And uh, and and settling for half of universal health care when the majority wants none is not settling. You know, that's forcing. And it's a Trojan horse anyway. And to your uh, point there yeah. uh, about him saying they're wimpy and weak, our side is usually wimpy and weak. That is an, a, that's a tactic to get somebody to be aggressive. You say to somebody, oh, yeah, you're, wimpy, yeah. you're weak. Come on. There's a monster yes. here. You're always so wimpy. Good you're always so point. weak. Do something. Yeah, that's sick. And it's probably targeted to the exact demo. He's, you know, maybe he cycles through different demographic triggers. He goes so to, yeah, he does. Psychographics, whatever. So that's a particular, you know, unemployed guy who thinks right. he doesn't get enough handouts, you know, like whatever. I, I don't know. But but I, I have to reemphasize this theme that just that we are talking about here anyway. but about how it's not political differences it's evil right so we're we have to you have to disenfranchise you have to subvert the political process because it's not strong enough to combat real evil which is what he's you know which isn't even true because they're not kidnapping kids and they're not inventing this docket situation and he's still using that to paint them as so evil that you are above the law and they're below it and uh, and somehow this reminds me of an experience I've had many times. I will try to say to somebody who is really far gone, like I know you said some of your friends are just like going off the deep end at this point. Maybe yeah. you didn't say that, but I thought you said No, I, yeah, I was implying that. So yeah. I've done this in person. I've done this with people I've known. I've done it on Twitter. I'll say, I get what you're saying. I understand your point of view. I think if you try, you can understand my point of view and we can just agree to disagree because we're not going to get anywhere. Yes, definitely not on Twitter or we've known each other a long time. And I think we all know that. And this is what they say. You can see my point of view because I'm right. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. You know, and that goes to the two sides, you know, the perspective and all that. And it just it's weird to me. Because and I and I really feel like it's not I, I can see traditionally the left or liberals versus conservatives or individualist collectivists. There are two competing moralities. I respect that. I can understand it. But one of the moralities, like the left, both of them say that they come from a place of love. Aristotle is the foundation of the Catholic Church, which I know people criticize it, but to the extent it is Christian and uh reflects Christ's message. It's you can take an individualistic viewpoint of that. It's an individual moral imperative to help other individuals to access Christ in yourself and see it in other people. Like individualism is morality, in my opinion. And there's also the idea of collective morality, which is I get it. I understand they think that we as a community have a responsibility for the weakest in the community. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. So when they they get they resort to these dehumanizing tactics it betrays what the only thing they could use as a moral touchstone you know what i mean they they no longer have any morality at all yeah 
So they're using moral causes as a rallying cry, but they're really just inciting hatred because those yep. those moral objections he's raising aren't even real, which means that yeah. he has nothing real or he'd use exactly. the real ones. Yeah, and it's dangerous too. It goes right back, and I talk about this book all the time, Harold Laswell, uh, Propaganda Techniques in World War. Um, you know, the reason that you demonize someone is so that they can rationalize in their mind murdering other people because you have to either cage or kill a monster. You can't negotiate with one. What are what say the first part again? I missed the say it, it again. The reason that you demonize people like this, right? That you turn them into a devil, right? Is so that you can get people to be willing and to rationalize in their minds killing murdering people oh yes you're not gonna murder someone that you think is a person that is a person like you but a monster a demon you either kill or cage a demon you don't negotiate with one so this is this is dangerous to try and portray half the country as uncivil demons that you cannot be civil with nor negotiate with i mean that's war propaganda exactly that's exactly what that is a baby on a bayonet and he pretty yes it is it's a baby on a bayonet. It's a baby at the border. Baby's on the bayonet at, at the border. Ah. And he is trying to present it in this – like he's a non-threatening slob and he's got this high-pitched voice. But this is a dangerous mess. Like it's inciting violence. Like I agree with you. It's this borderline breaking a, a, a terroristic law here in my opinion. Um, and to your – so something you said made me think of this. I have a friend who is funny. I was coming home from the WSB show one night, and I was listening to – I was going to listen to the Braves game, but they weren't on, and there was a, a radio show that was being replayed from that – from the day before, I think, was on that night. And the guy read – the host of the radio show, I can't remember his name. He read a comment on his Facebook page that was from someone who hates Trump, and he read the comment, and it was your typical Trump's an evil demon, monster, treason, like all this – all the typical talking points. And he read the guy's name, and I, I I knew the name. One of my friends who says all those radical things has that same name that the guy read. And I listened. The guy ripped on this guy for like 20 minutes, and so I got in touch with my friend to find out if it was him that he was talking about, and it was. He was making fun of this guy that I know for the radical things he said, and he was absolutely right. But right. After I told my friend about this, my friend decided to call into the show, nice. tell him who he was, and try and argue with the guy. Nice. And when he I'm did sure that, he, he just got torn apart because he <laughs> sorry, did not. I'm not use. vengeful. It's yeah. just so I, you know, it's great to bring it out into the light because they it shows that he thought he had a winning argument. No, here's the thing: he thinks he won the argument. And and he he did not win the argument. But here's what he did, and this goes back to what you were just saying. He didn't use any facts. He didn't use any evidence to back him up, and I didn't ask him this question. My other friend that knows him asked him. He said, you felt so confident in your argument. Why didn't you present any facts? And I I, uh, think about Lakoff here too um, when you hear this part. Why didn't you use any facts uh, in your argument against him? Um, and his response was that he tries not to pigeon, pigeonhole himself with facts because facts don't matter to Republicans. So don't use facts with Republicans because they don't matter. This is what Lakoff says in his books. Facts don't matter. Make this moral argument that's very general 
and it's propagandistic. And this guy that I know, my friend, is making arguments. He's refusing to use facts because they don't matter when it comes to Republicans. And what this does, what this, what, what empowering people to do this or emboldening, emboldening them is the word people use, I guess, is it makes them feel confident in their arguments and be able to argue with people, freeing themselves of having to learn any facts. Yes. Free from facts. And yes, which frees you from truth, actually. Unbelievable. Like, I, I was shocked when I heard that. Because you really can get your eyes opened when you try to prove stuff. Right. And I, and, and I really have to do that because the dialectical stuff on the Internet gets really, like, you can go down a few layers before the BS stops. You know what I'm saying? Like, you really have to dig in. Like, you cannot take facts for granted and articles. People send me articles like that, Peter Strzok article. It's great, but I'm not taking anything out of that article as if it were true until I hunt every darn piece down. Yeah. A lot of times that stuff is written on purpose by these agents who were commissioned, basically, by Cass Sunstein. You know what I mean? So, like... Facts are even made up, so I don't know. I mean, it takes a lot to get your facts straight, and once you have them, I guess they just get ignored anyway. You know, this goes back to what you something you talked about on Saturday. Uh, we talked about the Communist Manifesto a little bit and how they feel justified in lying or in or in taking a step down, like um, Franken did. Because the important thing is the outcome. It's not how you get there. That's kind of what this is. If you have a group of the population, a segment of the population that will not use facts in any discussion that you have with them, then you are never going to get, you're never going to come to any um, reasonable discussion there. You're only going to have people who continue to push their agenda to try and get an outcome. Be- and they're not going to use facts because it's the outcome that matters. It's not how you get there. It's changing yeah, it's the history. Ends, it, it's, this is a classic Leninistic thing. The ends justify the means. Yeah. That's just it was that I was raised by my father. That was a communist tenant. Right. Yep. You, you, and, you, you, a whole segment of the population inoculated from the truth because they have – for, they have been propagandized into believing that facts don't matter, so they should not use them. Well, my father had a book. Uh, it was basically the equivalent of George Orwell's Newspeak, but it was a book about Soviet language, not oh, like yeah? Russian, but how – yeah, he used to teach me this. It was like peace means um, whatever – like truth is whatever serves the party, and peace means – whatever serves the party, you know, like stuff like that, which is funny because in that Chatham house thing, the guy says to them, peace means victory, which to me was what, why the V sign, you know, when you hold the V sign up with your fingers, yeah, we think of that as a peace sign. Yeah. But it was Churchill's victory sign. It's a V for victory. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We think that. Yeah. And they think that too, probably. But I'm just saying, I was taught by my father that it was Soviet, Russian stuff to use language. So he said, they're not lying when they say, we want peace. We're telling you the truth. Because to them, they define peace and truth as that which serves the party. Yeah. And they're willing to change history to do it. Yeah. That's so this part stuff of the is manifesto. totally communist. But on that note, duty calls. 
my domestic. Oh, can ladies. I play these last two Michael Moore yeah, clips for yeah, you? Yeah. Okay. Um, the fifth one here, he explains the only way to stop Donald Trump. Question, if it's okay. Um, when you read the paper every day or you watch the news, do you ever cry? I mean, do you ever cheer up? Do you ever? Does this ever happen to you these days? Sure, of course. It's right. It yes. happens to me now every day. It will happen <laughs> as soon as the show's over, and I find out more about the shooting in Annapolis. I'm sure it'll happen again. Exactly. That 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 has become the norm now. But, yes. When when we all made. Bowling for Columbine, it had never happened before. And we made that film in the hopes that it wouldn't happen anymore. And so the despair that I have in going forward making these movies is when are people going to get off the couch and when are we going to rise up? And I'm telling you, folks, I, to, your, to answer your question, the end game sadly is going to be Trump is not going to leave. He plans to be reelected. Um, he, he loves the term president for life. Um, the only way that we're going to stop this is eventually we're all going to have to put our bodies on the line. You're going to have to be willing to do this. When I see those children down in Brownsville, I don't see them as somebody else's children. I see them as my children. Those are my children. Now, what does he mean, put your body on the line, president for life? We have to stop him with our, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, he says don't be violent, but then he says, you know, these are uncivil monsters, and you can only stop yeah. them by putting your body on the line. And think of those children as your children. He's literally inciting exactly. anger and violence. That's listen, sick. And, and to what you just said, listen to this last little clip where he tells people, and you just nailed it, here's how you need to think about and react to Trump. Samantha, how should folks— Oh, wait, wrong one. Sorry. What would you do, each of you in the audience, if if they snatched your child from you and put that in a, what would you how would you respond to that? That's how we all have to start responding. It, it, so you need to react to Republicans, Trump and Trump supporters as though they just snatched your child from you. How does that not end in violence? I mean, he's making you access emotions. He's asking you like he knows that you want. You know, he's just, it's, it's so manipulative. It it's, really is. It's dangerous. It's like, it's like the way a good aperitif makes you hungry for dinner. That's like, I know that's like a very high minded thing, but like, I've noticed that if you drink like a drink that has, you know, I love the craft cocktails. Yeah. If you drink a drink that has ginger beer in it, ginger beer is an aperitif. It's like an appetite stimulant. So if you're not hungry oh. because like you're on vacation or whatever, and you've had a big lunch, you have to have a big dinner. I just got back from a vacation. Yeah. This happened. <laughs> and uh, if you drink something with ginger beer or whatever, you can get that hunger back. Yeah. And that's exactly what this reminds me of. Oh, He's like, nice. I want to get you to crave at a you know at a fundamental level this you know what I mean? He's stimulating yeah. your appetite for action. Right. But that's the great. action yeah, yeah. he's asking for is what if this president for life who has no intention of leaving, that's what he said, snatched your baby from you. He's making them bloodthirsty. Yeah, yes. Use thir yeah, thirst. Thirsty. Yes, exactly. Exact right analogy. Use your bodies in this fight. I mean, it's sick.
Right. And then earlier, you know, he made the, oh, you don't have to be violent, yet everything he tells them to do is going to inevitably lead to violence. Yeah, he's not going to put himself online. Some guy is quietly going to say, all right, it's time to rush out right. onto the highway. And, 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 and Michael Moore's going to disappear. Yeah. Uh, Michael Moore's going to cash in off of that, though, because they're going to go see his movie. It's going to be all over the news, yeah. and they will go see his movie, and that's the reason he is inciting this. It's that's- for his own personal profit. One of the very, very, very few things my boss ever told me to stay away from. He said, you just can't, you can't do that to people. You can't try to get them freaked out and agitated in a way that's going to get them to do something violent or stupid. Like never, like when you're talking about guns, don't say, because I I would always say they're coming for your guns. He's like somebody, you know, this is, I had a really late show like 10 to midnight or something. It's like somebody's sitting there. He's had his drinks. He's up in the woods. Somebody's coming for my guns. You know what I mean? Like he's going to get up in his tidy whities and he's going to go to the door. That terrible, um, I think it was William Powell in Henry County who got killed in the middle of the night by the cops because he heard somebody prowling and he came to the door with a gun and they shot him without announcing themselves according to his wife. Yeah. Uh, That you get... I mean, it's one of the very, very few things, maybe one or two things like don't 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 let people say stuff and put words in your mouth. Yeah. So and that was a good advice, because like you said, that's what they're doing. A radio host, they're targeting them, saying stuff on their shows and then saying, look what this guy let be said on his show. Yeah. Uh, But they you're really, really not allowed to do that. And with Michael Moore, there might not be any consequences, but for a person who isn't above the law, there would be consequences. For Absolutely. That. And he, and Michael Moore is well aware of that. He, he, yeah. he counts on, you know, there's everybody watching that is not going to get up and do something, but there's going to be a small group of people who are more um, manipulatable, who are more open, vulnerable to being radicalized, who are going to take everything he said to heart. And it's no, I, don't, I think it's it's more sophisticated than that. I think those people will then go do what you were saying, join Indivisible. And then yes. Indivisible yeah. has has videos and stuff like that. But then they have their foot soldiers who are actually on the uh-huh. scene, who you never see on a video, who actually deliver the message that never, you know, ne- even if he whispers it in people's ears, you know, and gets yeah. some gets some nobody to lead the charge onto the highway yeah and the reward system built into these indivisible groups is they reward people who go into a town hall meeting and shout you killed my friend at at a congressman they reward people who do these radical things by by announcing what they did across the national indivisible network and putting them on their emails and oh so they praise them they give comrade a medal absolutely gets a medal yep totally Ah, okay. On that note, I'm well, thank it. you for your time today. I know I was a little bit scattered, but uh, no, yeah, that was awesome. I I found that absolutely fascinating. I loved it, and I'm glad that you're back from your vacation. Yes, I'm sorry to people who um look forward to the show and contribute to the show. I it is actually my driving force to keep my discipline up in the face of mountains <laughs> of laundry and dog poop and everything. Is that that people contribute and uh, and count on it. And so I thank you very much for having the patience to tolerate my vacation. And I will try to keep that to a minimum. 
And thank you, everybody who donates. Um, as Monica said, uh, we do the show because of your donations is why we're able to continue doing it and keeps us motivated. Anybody who wants to donate, go to PropagandaReportDaily.com, and you can donate through PayPal or Patreon. And any help or any feedback, uh, we appreciate any Twitter any Twitter interactions, any donations, just uh, any support of the show. We very much appreciate. And thank you, everybody who has contributed And thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Later. See you later.